0: You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. If you have a Bible, you can open up to the New Testament. In your Bibles, we're going to look at a story in Matthew. Matthew 15, actually. Matthew 15, starting in verse 21. If you're turning there, and we have Bibles on the table, you can you can have one of those if you want, like have-have. You can bring it home and keep it if you need one. We like to give people Bibles. We think the Bible's pretty important in here, right? Amen. Woo! Amen. Um, Matthew 15. This is not a very... It's, a, it's an awesome story. It's a good story. It's in the Bible for a reason, but it's not a very, like, neat, nice and neat, easy-to-get story, um, which you'll see in a second. It's Matthew 15, starting in verse 21, and it says this. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to a region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman... Everybody say Canaanite. Canaanite. She's a non-Jewish woman. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering from a terrible demon possession. Verse 23 says, Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him. These great disciples here, listen to this. Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. That's some nice guys right there, Right just kidding um and he answered and so i think he answers her or answers loud enough so, so she can hear and he says this i was sent only to the lost sheep of israel the jewish nation and then verse 25 says the woman came and knelt before him lord help me she said and he replied this seems like it's kind of it, it seems kind of mean honestly he says it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their their dogs and verse 27 says yes lord she said and then listen to the faith of this woman. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their t- master's table. And Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith, exclamation point. Your request is granted. And, the, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. Let's pray. Jesus, we, God, we honor you. We, we invite you here to open our hearts, God. We invite you to open our minds that we might learn more about your miracles the miracles that you performed here on this earth. And, and so, Jesus, we, we just love you. And here, God, we as the Mill Sunday School, we just say thank you for being here. Thank you for teaching us something in advance to what you're going to teach us. And everybody screamed? <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, here, let's, in the Civil War era, there was a soldier and this soldier uh, experienced some sort of family trauma and wanted an exemption from uh, from the war. He wanted to not fight in the war because of some family issues, some family uh, trauma in a situation that happened. And so he started requesting to be exempt from the war. And his petition led him all the way up to the President of the United States. Only the President could make the call that said he could be exempt from the war. And so he goes to the White House and tries to um, get a meeting with the president to get an exemption from the war as as a soldier because of some family issues. And he just couldn't get to be heard by the President of the United States. As you can imagine, you know, there's guards, there's, there's other soldiers, you know, they're protecting the President. They don't just let anybody go talk to the President. He's a busy, very important man. And so as, he, as he's turned away from the White House, he goes to a park, and he's just kind of sitting there and not sure what to do, and a young boy passes by and says, Sir, you look really sad. <laughs> and so the boy sits there and listens to the man's story, and listens to his family trauma and how he needs an exemption from the war to go home, and Be with his family, and the and the boy says, "All right." And he gets up and says, "Follow me." And and the soldier follows the boy back to the White House. They just go in through the gates. The guards just let him go. The boy, the 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 soldier that wants an exemption, they go right into the office of the President of the United States, and just no one's guarding. Every just they just walk right in with this little boy and this man. And the president turns from the Secretary of State and turns to the boy and says, "Hi, son. Hi, Todd." What, what can I do for you? And, and the boy, it's Abraham Lincoln. And the boy says, Dad, this soldier wants to talk to you. And the soldier gets to talk to the president of the United States. It's a true story. And what I see in that story is, is the son giving authority to come to the father. And in a, in a lot of ways, what we're going to talk about today is how Jesus gives us the authority to come directly to the father. Isn't that how it works? Jesus gives us authority to come right to God. So we're going to get to talking about that today. But before we dive straight in, a few announcements for you. Number one announcement. If you're newish around here, I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to say that we have a first-timer card if you're newish to this Mill Sunday School or to the Mill. There are cards uh, up up here at tables. You might have to find one. But find one, put your name, email, stuff like that onto the card. Give it back to us at the info table, and we will give you a CD with some of our original songs on it and a sermon uh, just as a little gift of saying thanks for coming to Sunday School. And so uh, you could do that if you're new tomorrow Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you get off of work? Yes! Isn't there like joy? You just get tomorrow off. Uh, it, it's a day called Memorial Day. And uh, the mill, did you know the mill's putting on a barbecue? Yes! Free hot dogs and brats and, uh, and burgers. We're, we're going to be at bear creek park which is like downtown old colorado city ish if you don't know how to get there ask somebody or ask me from noon to four there's going to be party time meal barbecue um so you're invited to that everybody's invited to that and the another other announcement uh noel has uh something to say about celebrating women any women in here <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> you guys know noel enthusiastic right
1: enthusiastic response <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, okay, first of all, who in here who's a girl is not going to Africa in one week? Awesome, okay, I mean, I wish you were coming, but i'm also glad you're staying here. <laughs> now, the reason why is um, on Thursday, June fifth we're having our second uh, new life is having their second celebrate women meeting. Did anyone in here go to the last one? A few of you, okay. And one guy raised his hand, so I don't know what was going on there. Um, It was fantastic. I thought the last one was wonderful. And Thursday, June 5th, Lisa Bevere is going to be here. She's going to be speaking. Uh, For those of you who don't know who she is, she's a well-known author and speaker on women's issues. She's fantastic. And then Carrie Job, who is um, a wonderful worship leader in Texas, is going to be here leading worship. So it's going to be a great time. They have awesome desserts, all that kind of stuff. So I highly encourage you to come. I won't be there, unfortunately, because I will be in Africa, but I highly encourage you to come. (laughs) The other thing is um, I'm looking for two, three, four, five girls who would be willing to volunteer to meet me out here right after Sunday school and to come over to New Life, um, to the main, um, what is it called, lobby area, (laughs) yes, and help hand out these to women who are just wandering around it's really cool you get to go up and say hey would you want to come to the celebrate women's event would you like to celebrate women with me (laughs) so is there anyone in here who'd be willing to help me out with that girls only raise your hands (laughs) awesome a few of you okay just meet me out here right after sunday school gets out and we'll go over there together great
0: noel ladies and gentlemen noel Um, So those are your announcements. Barbecue, if you're new, if you're a woman, stuff going on for you. Let's look at this passage. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty of this passage. So if you shut your Bible, open it back up to Matthew 15. Let's dig into this passage a little bit. Because it's not a nice, neat little story. There's some weird things going on here. But, But the main point of this short story is the faith of this woman. Despite some... It seems like Jesus is almost... I mean, I, it's hard to like read into it and say, "Oh, Jesus is doing this. He's feeling this. He's thinking this." But it seems to me that that it's almost like Jesus is playing with this woman uh, a little bit just to get this faith response from her because it's an amazing faith response. And so the story goes that that this woman is, comes to Jesus and. Keeps, keeps calling out after him and Jesus doesn't answer. But the disciples, it says in verse 23, come to Jesus and say, can you make her go away? You know, maybe she's an embarrassment. Maybe she's screaming out and, you know, some crazy ladies trying to, trying to get your attention. Can you shoo her away? But Jesus, Jesus responds, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. He says, I was sent. And there's other places in the New Testament where it says uh, that salvation is first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. You know what a Gentile is? non-jewish person like myself i would be a gentile but jesus did come for for jewish people and every people right i mean salvation is extended for all people and so i'm not really sure what exactly why he said that um but it seems just going back into my own interpretation and, and you may have a different one but it seems as though he's kind of toying with this woman to get her to respond in faith to what jesus has for her and the woman came after jesus said this because um, because she is not she is not a Jewish person she is a Canaanite so she responds by coming before Jesus and, and kneeling and it says Lord help me is what she says and Jesus responds it seems as though Jesus calls this woman a dog that's what it seems like to me and that maybe there's some other social context of maybe he's saying uh, maybe a dog isn't that bad about it. <laughs> I'm not really sure, but this is what it says. That Jesus replies, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. And then this woman, this woman is not, it doesn't even seem like she's thrown off by that. So maybe there's some other social, social, cultural things back then that that wasn't um, that bad of a thing for Jesus to say. And, but she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And that's such a, that she knows that if even, if Jesus, if Jesus is giving out bread, all she wants is a crumb. And she knows that a crumb from Jesus has the full power to be able to heal her daughter. I really like how, um, have you ever seen the DVDs? There's the DVDs called Matthew, and it's literally word for word, new Testament book of Matthew in DVD format being acted out. Have you ever seen those? it's it's pretty cool you should go pick them up rent them it's like a good uh, it's not like a movie movie but it's kind of cool because it's like it's like you're not it's like i get credit for reading the bible because it's like word for word but then you get to see it as well (laughs) uh the credit (laughs) oh you half of you know that i'm kidding the other half think i'm crazy i'm a little of both um this, the way that that DVD uh, authors show this is Jesus is kind of like talking like over his shoulder to this woman saying, Yeah, it's not right for the, you to take the bread and give it to the dogs. And then in, he kind of smirks and smiles. And the woman says, but even the, even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. And then Jesus, in this DVD, how the author portrays it is Jesus just smiles ear to ear and says, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is... Has been granted and then the daughter was healed at that very moment and so what I see in this passage is this woman full of faith being persistent she's persistently asking Jesus to heal her daughter even though it seems as though Jesus kind of says no I'm, I'm not gonna do it she just begs all the more and and Jesus it seems may change his mind and he, he said I don't know if you read that into the passage um, I kind of see that that Jesus I mean, Jesus was omniscient, right? He knew everything. He knew what this woman was at and that he was going to heal the daughter. But but the response of the woman is just amazing. She just wants a crumb of the power of what Jesus has for her daughter. And um, I want to talk today about praying for miracles. And it seems that that I think the Bible asks us and God asks us to be persistent with him, to continue asking. But I don't think we we should have the mindset that God doesn't hear us. I don't think we should have the mindset that we need to wear God out in order to get a prayer answered. I want you to turn to another passage. And this is often a passage that people have about being persistent. I mean, the very passage is about, it's called the persistent widow. Have you heard of this parable? Um, Look at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 in your Bible, if if you're turning there to look at it. um, It's an amazing passage. And it's it's a passage about... Um, a story that Jesus tells some of his disciples. And it seems as though this passage is talking about wearing out God in order to get a prayer answered. But that's the exact opposite of what is really happening here. So it's Luke 18, right at verse 1. It says this, Luke 18, 1 says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up, to be persistent. And he said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about man. Everybody say, bad judge. Thank you. And after, <laughs> and there was also a widow in that town who kept coming with the plea, grant me justice against my adversaries. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Now, if the, if the passage stopped there, you'd think, man, is is God like that? Is God like this mean judge that he just answers prayers because you're bothering him and you're going to wear out God? And he said, no, that's not it at all, because Jesus goes on to describe this, this passage of the parable. And it says in verse 6, And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God... Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. So God is not at all like this bad judge. The bad judge answers prayers because he's going to get worn out and this lady keeps bothering him. But this says that, that God loves, that God is just that God cares about people so much so that he answers prayers not on account of we need to wear him out with our asking, but on account of he loves it when we are persistent. God loves it when we continue to pray for something and hope and build our our faith in prayer for something. I remember um, I used to live in uh, New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Any New Mexicanites? Woo! <laughs> Uh, I lived there for one year. It was pretty cool. I went to the University of New Mexico as a freshman. And when I was there, I was a part of a pretty cool church. And I met some people. And uh, I I started playing uh, bongos, these bongo drums. Um, (laughs) I learned how to play, just like that. I learned how to play those. And some people found me playing. And I was like, man, you're good. And I was like, yeah, thanks. (laughs) I've been playing for like five minutes now (laughs) and uh like i had no training or anything and they said would you like to be part of our band and i said yeah let's be a part of a band um and i was a part of this little band it was pretty silly but but quite fun and um and i met this guy named ryan bobbin and uh he he like the last name bobbin the the sewing tool thing what what is a bobbin anyways i don't even know but his mom uh his Ryan Bobbins mom collected bobbins and had like millions of them in her house and like antique ones and Anyways, uh, Ryan Bobbin um, would always have a similar prayer re- request. And so whenever we, I, had, I was part of this small group, and every week at the small group, they'd say, okay, let's pray, but before we pray, does anyone have any prayer requests? And a few prayer requests would come out, and Ryan would always, always, he was persistent, and he always had the prayer request, can you guys c- keep my brother in your prayer? And he said, if you, if you don't know uh, the situation, my brother needs prayer, he's not a Christian, he's not really open to God. God he's kind of getting in trouble with drinking and um, some other things but I keep ministering to him I keep telling him about Jesus I keep telling him that God loves him but he just really needs prayer right now can we we pray for my brother um, and my younger brother and we would pray for his brother I mean the entire year anytime anyone ever said any prayer requests His hand would go up, and he would say, can we pray for my brother? And so I personally remember praying for his brother, and um, I don't think I ever met him when I was out there, but I had prayed for him and prayed for him and, and knew that Ryan was praying and praying for his brother that whole year I was there. Well, I moved from New Mexico. I moved to Utah. I lived four years in Utah, then moved here to Colorado Springs, and was here about two or three years when I was at a little gathering, a house where we were eating a meal, and there was like three, there was four of us. We were eating a meal, and I was getting to know, I I knew the other three people, they were all from the mill, and I was getting to know this guy, and he said, yeah, I just became a Christian. I just did a year in the furnace, and now David Perkins asked him to come back and be a leader of the furnace. And so we're going on. We're carrying on. You know how conversations go sometimes when it's just like random rabbit trails. We start talking about uh, sewing or something, and we we start talking about his mother and how his mother has thousands of bobbins. (laughs) And and I'm like, that's weird. And, and, he, and he's from New Mexico. So I finally ask him, do you know Ryan Bobbin? And he says, yes, Ryan Bobbin is my older brother. And so here I am sitting here, like all these thoughts rushing to my head and and, and the past. I mean, this was like eight years ago. I had totally lost contact with Ryan Bobbin. And here sitting in front of me is a kid named Jameson Bobbin who who I had been praying for like years ago with Ryan, his older brother, and this persistence and this every time a prayer request was offered, he would raise his hand and say, can we pray for my brother? This continual prayer for his brother, and Bobbin. And here I am just a few years ago, sitting in front of and Bobbin, talking about all his mom's thousands of Bobbins and realizing that this is the kid to whom we had been praying for for all, that that whole time. And I'm sure Ryan had been praying for him. And I just thought, man, this is so cool that that God answered this prayer. And it's in God's timing. But the persistence of Ryan praying for his brother, Jameson, was just so cool. It was amazing. I mean, if you knew, there, there's more to the story, but it's just so cool. And and Jameson, right, even today, is following the Lord and a leader in the furnace. And he's a really cool guy for some of you that know him. Um, and a strong Christian man. And, um, Persistence when we're praying, persistence in praying for a miracle. Sometimes I, um, it's almost like you get superstitious when you're asking God for something and thinking if I say a short prayer, God's not going to really answer me. So I have to, I have to say a long prayer, or I have to get down on my knees, or I have to repeat the pr- the same prayer over and over again, or I have to pray really loud. You know anybody like that? <laughs> they just praise really loud. Um, there's just different superstitious things that even I get into, like, oh, if I just pray for a short time, God's not going to answer that. I really need to pray for a long time. And and it's almost, you get into superstition thinking that you need to wear God down or you need to say it louder so that He will hear you. And I don't think prayer is like that. God always hears us. God is omnipresent. He's always with us. He always hears us. And I want to show you a story of, of Jesus praying for a miracle to happen. And then, of course, that miracle does happen it's in john 11 turn to your bibles to john chapter 11 john chapter 11 starting in verse 32 is where we're going to start if if you look on the cover of your of your notes these are your notes some of you have been taking notes uh the cover of your notes has a little picture do you see on that picture what's going on it's kind of like a It kind of looks kind of silly. Of course, Jesus is there with the big halo thing, and he's pointing to a guy that's all wrapped up like a mummy. Do you see what's going on there? It's Lazarus getting raised from the dead. Let's read the story. So go into John, the book of John, chapter 11, verse 32, says this. And it says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and in trouble. So Jesus sees other people weeping and very sad. And Jesus, God himself, is moved. And in a second it's going to say that he also cries. Uh, Verse 34 says, Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then verse 35, um, Jesus wept. It's a a good verse to memorize. (laughs) It's pretty short. Um, Do you see it, though? Jesus, God himself, he knows the outcome. He knows every, he's omniscient. He knows, is that how you say it? Omniscient? Yes. Uh, He knows the outcome of what's going to happen, and yet he cries. It's just fascinating to me. Verse 36 says, Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a very bad odor, for he has been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And that's the, I think that's a really cool statement. That's our sweet quote of the day by Jesus himself um, on the back of your notes. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so here's this woman, Martha, uh, no, is it Martha? Yes, it is. It's Martha saying, Jesus says, open up that tomb. And Martha, just thinking of an excuse, says, it's going to stink. Don't do this, Jesus. This is going to be horrible. And and she Jesus says, "Didn't I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of the Father?" So they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, "Here's Jesus' prayer. Are you ready for the prayer?" Jesus looks up and says, "Father, I thank you that you have heard me." That's his prayer. I mean, if I was if I was telling Jesus how to pray for uh, a a dead man to be raised from the dead, I don't know that I would have used this particular prayer. But he's God, right? Right! Yeah, he's God. And so he could pray. I mean, he's he's the one that should teach us how to pray. It seems like a very unusual prayer. But he just prays, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And then he says this, I knew that you have always heard me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face face and jesus said to them take off the grave clothes and let him go he said i mean this to me is my favorite miracle story and i've kind of saved the best for last this is the last sunday of of the month of uh what month is this may (laughs) and uh we're we're, this is the continuation of this is the final um teaching about the miracles of jesus that we're going to do in the mill sunday school and this is my favorite miracle story the story of jesus People accusing Jesus, oh, if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. And then Jesus praying the prayer, Father, I thank you that you he- have heard me. And then just saying, Lazarus, come out. And he does. And it's just an amazing show of, of Jesus' authority in the spiritual realm. Some people jokingly say, maybe they're not joking, that if, if Jesus would have looked into the tomb and just said, come out, that all of the dead people would have come out. Um, Which would be a little scary. I mean, either way, I mean, Lazarus had been dead four days. That's a little scary as it is, that he comes out of the tomb um, all wrapped up in his grave clothes. And that's the picture there that you see. Um, That's probably how it looked on his tippy toes coming out of the grave. I mean, just imagine that sight and knowing Lazarus, knowing that he had died four days ago and knowing that he had been in this tomb for sure he was dead and he had been dead four days and Jesus just says, "Lazarus, come out!" And then he does. And so, what I see in this story, and in the story of the Canaanite woman that comes to God, is is this whole idea of God changing things, God changing the course of events on a half on behalf of our petitioning to Him. And I want to ask you a question. We like to do uh, discussions sometimes in the Mill Sunday School, and this is a good question because this question doesn't have um, a. a I mean you could argue it from either side in my opinion and from the from the Bible the question is does god change his mind? Does god change his mind? And and so we're not if you if you choose yes or no there's no like right or wrong answer we're not going to make fun of you for choosing the wrong answer and embarrass you but I think there's there's two sides of the of the idea there's the side that says well it seems as though god planned to do one thing and then does something else and and and, and in the particular scripture of the Canaanite woman and some other stories. But then it's like, well, if God changes his mind, then does God himself change in his nature? It's like, well, I don't think that's true. Um, Have you ever thought about that question before? You theological students of the Bible, Sunday school nerds. I'm sure you've thought of that question. Would you turn to some of your buddies at your table and, and say, what do you think? Do you think God changes his mind? Ready, get set, go. the Jeopardy theme song to help you. All right. Um, have you had time to chit-chat a little bit? Um, no? Or I'll give you another 30 seconds to, to conclude your, uh, your statements, your final statements about God changing his mind. Is anyone bold enough to uh, stand up on account of their group or the people they had discussion with and uh, enlighten us with words of wisdom about whether or not God can change his mind? Yes, go right ahead. Go ahead. Mm hmm. Right. Genius response. Did you hear that? Thank you, sir. Genius. Um, so going along the side of uh, he can change his mind. Let's look at that. Let's I mean, it, it seems like you were just tra- great minds think alike. And uh, let's just call ourselves great because we thought alike. Um, it's Exodus 32. Do you want to turn there? If you want a homework assignment for later, you can research the, um, the kind of the context of this passage. But um, let's turn there. It's Exodus 32, the second book of the Bible. So we're going way back and looking at the Old Testament, uh, specifically Exodus 32:14. The context in this particular passage is Moses going up, praying on the mountain, coming back down. And you know what he finds? He finds a bunch of people have made a golden cow and are worshiping it. Everybody say, dumb, dumb. And, and so God gets really ticked, um, mad, T-O'd, ticked off and says, I am going to destroy these people. And then Moses says, God, please don't do it. Don't destroy these people. He prays on behalf of God and the people. And look at J- Exodus 32, 14. And it says, then the Lord changed his mind. Your NIV, does anybody have the NIV? What's it say? The Lord relented. I like that word too. The Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. And that relented changing of his mind is the exact same passage, exact same, excuse me, Hebrew word used in First Samuel 15. Do you want to turn there? Turn to First Samuel 15. We're like doing lots of flipping around in the Bible. It's like one of those uh, kids Sunday school games where it's like, first one there wins. Um, I don't know what we would win. Maybe it's something, I'm sure, for you. First Samuel 15, verse 29. In the context of this, if you want another homework assignment, you could uh, read the context of this passage. And basically, it's Saul um, messing up, disobeying God, and God saying, you are no longer going to be king of Israel. And then it says this, 1 Samuel 15, verse 29, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. And that exact Hebrew phrase there is the same phrase used in Exodus 32. One says he does change his mind, he relents. One says he does not change his mind. The Bible's fun, huh? (laughs) Here's Here's what I really think is going on. Um, There's got to be some nuances to the whole changing your mind kind of thing. I changed my mind because I made a poor decision or I didn't know the whole thing. Like, um, it's Memorial Day weekend, right? And and it's been getting hot. So how many of you uh, dudes or dudettes like to grill? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe I see lots of guy's hands. Maybe it's just a guy thing. You just like to grill. And Eric and I uh, don't own a grill. And so I went to Walmart to get a grill, a gas grill, like a really nice gas grill. And I got there, and I was looking at the gas grills, and I'm like, man, these things are expensive. (laughs) I saw one the other day at Home Depot for like $1,000. I'm like, that would be sweet. (laughs) But then I realized, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm a pastor. I don't make that. Let maybe make the sweet coin that I uh, could be making it. and so I thought, let's let's make let's budget in here the the gas grill and not get a thousand dollar gas grill because if I brought it home, Eric would be like, "Wow, it's nice. How much do you spend on that?" Thousand dollar? What? <sighs> so I went to Walmart and there was this this great grill, like a stand up grill, on sale at Walmart because Walmart, you know, you, you shop at Walmart for the sales and a sale on this uh, charcoal. Uh, grill for i could get that and a bag of charcoal for like 30 bucks like out the door home for 30 bucks great deal right and so go to walmart maybe the special still going on <laughs> um so i changed my mind didn't i I changed my mind because I went to Walmart and I didn't know that the, the, the gas grills were gonna be that much and that um, the, the charcoal grill was gonna be on such a great sale and I get a bag of charcoal and the grill for less than thirty bucks. I mean it's a lot better than 1, 000, right? it's a thousand, right? Big difference. And so I changed my mind because I didn't know the whole situation. I'm not omniscient like God is. Is God omniscient? Yes, he is he knows everything. did he know that Moses was going to pray on behalf of the people, and did he know that he wasn't actually going to carry out the, the destroying the people like he was saying he was going to? I mean you have to say i mean if he's really omniscient and really knows everything, then you have to kind of answer yes to that and so and so it does say that God changed his mind, and then another passage just says he doesn't change his mind and i think I think the nuance is is that. God doesn't change his mind like we change our mind. He can see the whole big picture. um, And he sees our lives and what he's going to do from a dimension, from a perspective that we can't even begin to know. You know, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows where we're going to be tomorrow. He knows where we're going to be after that. He knows the good and the bad that may come about in the future. He knows everything. He's omniscient. And so when we ask him for things, we petition him for things. It's, it's really about his will and lining ourselves up with his will. And, and the Bible says to ask him for things. The Bible says to, to be um, continuous in asking, to be persistent but it's not about wearing God down. It's not about, like, God, can I change your mind on this issue? Like like I might change the mind uh, or argue with a friend and change their mind um, about something. It's not like that. God knows everything. I was watching a DVD um, the other day, actually on Friday afternoon, and I cannot get this image out of my head. It's just so cool. Um, the analogy is so cool. Does anybody know Rob Bell? Oh, he is a, he's a Bible teacher. He, he wrote a book called Velvet Elvis. You just got to read it to know why it's called that. Um, he wrote Velvet Elvis. He's, he's, uh, he wrote a book called Sex God. Sounds kind of good, huh? Um, <clears throat> he wrote a book, uh, lots of, uh, some other books. He does some videos, some NUMA videos. Anybody know the NUMA videos? They're sweet. They're amazing. He, there's, there's a DVD called Everything is Spiritual. How many of you have seen it? Go out and get it. It's amazing. Um, Everything is spiritual. He talks about a two-dimensional world. And I'm stealing his material because he stole the material from somebody else. So I don't feel too bad. He stole the material from a guy. I'll give you his name. His name is Edwin Abbott. He was a guy that lived in the 1800s and wrote a book called The Flatlands. And he talks about how, um, what if there was this world in which there was just two dimensions, um, height and um, width. And so we live in um, a three-dimensional world. We can go up or down or sideways, right? But we can also go uh, hither and yon, right? Did I say that right? (laughs) Close, with three dimensions, right? Um, He said, what if there's this world? uh, What if there's this world in which everything is 2D? And so here's the ground. It's kind of like um, the old Super Mario Brothers game. You know, everything... Is 2D like nowadays? Like you can walk like into the screen and like follow the, your your uh your dragon slayer killer guy whatever. Um, but back in the day, back in my day, um, uh, <laughs> a video games were just 2D. You know that you could jump or you could run or and that's it, or you could fall. You know you just had to up or down or left or right. And so um, Rob Bell goes into this uh, analogy. It said, "What if there's two people?" living in this 2D world. And they live in a 2D world where um, they can't come in and out. There's just, they could go up or down, they could walk, but they, they just live in a 2D world. Is everybody following me? So 2D world. And then he says, what if a three-dimensional object was placed into their 2D world? And, and Rob says, what if a ring uh, was, was placed, or if, what if like, uh, the creator, myself, of this 2D world and these two little people um, wanted to mess with these people and wanted to put in a three-dimensional object into their world, what would they see? Because you think about this all the time, right? You got like a napkin and you're at Chili's and they're like, dude, what about this? Um, here's what they would see, right? They would see as soon as the ring touched the board, they would all they would see is a dot, right? they would see a dot. And then if I pushed it in further into their world, they would see a line. So there's a dot, a line. And then if I pushed it in more, it would end up just being two lines, right? Because the ring is round. Can you picture it? Some of you are like, I don't picture it. Just think about it. Think about the ring going into the picture and it would be two at one point. And then if I pulled it back out, it would be a line. And then it would end up being a dot as I pulled it out, right? And so what they would see is just some lines. And so one of them is like, wow, did you see that? That's, that's pretty cool. And the other one's like, yeah, it happens all the time. And the other one's like, no, I think, um, I think a three-dimensional object just came into our world. And the other one's like, you're insane. That doesn't make any sense. All it was was a dot line, two lines, line, dot that came into our world. That's what we can see. That's what we, that's what we could scientifically study. And the other one is like, no, dude, there was a three-dimensional, I want to say, a ring that came into our world. And the other one's like, what's a ring? That we don't live in a 3D world. And, and, the, and the, the, the believer is like, well, and they may use words like, I, I just believe that, that something into our world came into our world from another world. And I just think, I just believe, I just have faith that something came into our world from another dimension. And then and then Rob Bell, um, hopefully I've done this analogy some justice. He says, what if the creator, so Joe the creator of this little world, um, came and just put his hand really close to the picture? And so they couldn't see it. If you, if you were up here, you'd see that my hand is like a millimeter away from the picture. But they couldn't see me. But, and so one of them might say, do you feel that? It feels like the hand of Joe. <laughs> Or they might say, do you feel that? It feels like the presence of our Creator. Um, And so in this two-dimensional world, they totally wouldn't be able to see it, but there would be feelings, and there would be, I just don't have an explanation. There's got to be more to our world. And I think in this idea, in this picture of, of what's going on, that God himself sees our world, our dimensions, uh, it, from another dimension. I mean, just according to this analogy, I don't want to get too weird or scientific on you. Um, but there, but there, I just can't stop thinking about this since Friday when I saw this DVD of this idea that God is so close to us. He can be so close, and it may have to be based upon a feeling that, the, oh, I f- I, f- I feel, I sense that God is near, and there may not be able anything that you could study or look at or scientifically know, but you're just like man, I feel, I feel like God is near. Has anyone ever felt like God is near? This feeling that you can't explain. You're like, well, you know, that I can't really show you anything. I can't, um, you know, scientifically prove anything, but I just feel like God is near. I I feel like what came into our dimension came from another dimension that, that God somehow has orchestrated these events and and coming from the perspective of the 2D world it seems as though if if our god has more dimensions you know that that he can see what's going to happen that nothing surprises him that you know Lazarus death in the in the gospel of John didn't surprise Jesus it didn't surprise god at all that that he had passed away and that god was about to carry out something amazing and great and from this dimensional analogy it's like god can you know, God can heal or touch someone and and the people not even know around them, or have his hand on, on events, or that we can pray to him and be persistent in prayer, and when he answers that prayer, we can still just just think, Man, was that God? Was that? Was it not? I don't have any scientific proof. I just feel, I just know, I just believe that God Himself was here and He is the one that healed us. And so as we close this session, of miracles. Um, Next month, we're going to look at the topic of God. (laughs) That's good, huh? Uh, Specifically, the whole next month, um, we're looking at the character and nature of God. And uh, quite a few of us might be in Africa. Um, Next week, I'll I'll be teaching. I'll open us up on our study of God, and then uh, some of us might be in Africa. For those of you that aren't in Africa, we have some teachers like Dan Perkins coming in, and uh, Daniel Grothy, I don't know if you know him, a guy named Aaron Stern is going to come and teach us. Um, and so uh, so don't miss out on next next month. It's really this whole idea of miracles happening, and knowing our God from a perspective of, of, I mean, just in this analogy, is this helpful for anybody? Then the whole I mean it was it just blew me away. It was the first time I had seen anything like this. this whole idea of dimensions that God is so much bigger and so much more in control of the world than we can ever know and i I just really like that I, I like what that God is really close to us right now so let's let 's close our eyes and pray to him as he is close to us jesus we we thank you God for your for your word to us, the Bible to us, that miracle stories are in this book, and you, Jesus, tell us that, that we can pray for things, that we can be persistent and ask you for things that would have to be miraculous if the prayer was to be answered. Jesus, we praise you that you are in all control of our world, that you have, you have placed things, you have, you have landed things out, so much so that we can worship you, and we can trust in you, Jesus, that you have our lives planned out, that we can ask you for things, and you continually, your will, God, it's, it seems as though from our perspective that you bend or you change your mind, if we use that phrase, to relent, and you give us things according to your will. And Jesus, we praise you, we love you, we, we leave here encouraged that, that we can pray for miraculous things to happen, and that you, Jesus, in your name, Jesus, you will, you will make those things be carried out. And so we do love you, Jesus, and we praise you. And everybody said, Amen.